Welcome to a very special Nation's Capital version of Rinky Dinking. I'm Daryl Ray. With me, of course, Chapman University's very own Mike Heike and the great Jeff Totes. Uh, shout out to Stars President Brad Alberts, as the start of the star season is thick with presidents, and so far, unfortunately, also thick with losses. Uh, President Bush, 43, dropped the puck opening night, and uh, we are just down the block, aren't we, from President Trump and, uh, what, 4600 PA Avenue? I don't know. Is that what it is? Something Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, no, no Tom Holy, who is our Mike Pence, if you will, the vice president of communications and broadcasting. He's mentally and physically uh, prepping for the Browns Monday night football appearance. And we are doing this in the afternoon on Monday. Uh, Mike Heike, let's start with a little presidential here. Why don't we? Uh, I mean, and you get ready to jump on the mic as well. Favorite president. My, Go. Whoa. Um, this is a difficult question because I think you have some really good choices, but I'm going with George Washington for the simple fact, like you think, okay, well, he's just a military leader, right? Is that what you think? Isn't that what you think? I, I, I don't know. I'm Canadian for he a few more months. He established the office of the presidency and basically set up a lot of the rules that, that we Did run he not start global warming though? <laughs> By deforestation? Is that not... Look at he's nodding. Totes is all on board with that. <laughs> what kind of tree was it again, Totes? Church. Look at that. See, we, te we teach it even to the youngsters. Sir, school says. system. So George Washington's mine. What George, about you, Daryl? You know what? Since I'm Canadian, and I'm in, the, I'm in the portal to become an American citizen, it's happening. Uh, a few more months to go, and then I got to pass the test and all that stuff, but I'm on my way. Uh, I, I'll go with Bill Clinton for the very simple reason. Don't you? That's a smirk out of totes. For the very simple reason that he was in office when the Stars won the Stanley Cup in 99, and when we visited the White House, he was our host. And it was right in the middle of a lot of very turbulent times within the White House for uh, Mr. Clinton. And uh, it was it was kind of surreal just to be in that room and look at him and where we were at. It was a very enjoyable day. Apparently, the uh, little tidbit, the St. Louis Blues are coming to the White House here in a little bit. Never got that into the broadcast the other night, but they are. Uh, but yeah, he would he would be mine. He embraced a lot of the same philosophies as hockey players, didn't he? Uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he was. He's tough and, and uh, you know, did, did good interviews. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly Get pucks what I deep, meant. That kind of thing. <laughs> Tootsie? No, no, no. Here you go. I uh, can't pick a favorite president. Oh, you go all the way back to... <laughs> I go all the way back to Clinton. Oh, yeah. First push. Um, but I will say, without picking a favorite, I was talking to Mike on the way down here, and being around George W. for about 15, 20 minutes on opening night was awesome he's incredibly he's exactly what you expect of him very on brand hilarious guy and it was it was awesome it, it was, was cool an unbelievable it was a terrific start to the season I, I enjoyed every bit of that you got to be back 
stage, so to speak. Yeah, and he was in the coach's room for about five minutes. They were teaching him how to drop the puck, right? It was great. It was great. Uh, I had Jamie mic'd up opening night, and he skates out to center and tells Bush this is a lot easier than throwing a baseball. (laughs) President Bush. Let's come on, you little Mr. Mr. President Bush. And Totes told us he didn't really do anything great this week. Yeah, I know. We've got to pull it out of this kid all the time. I just thought that was, that was fantastic. Yeah, it was. I enjoyed every bit of that. Kudos to the Stars for getting that done. Okay, to the hockey. The Stars sands the stripes, if you will. Uh, what do we make of this opening weekend, Mike Heike? I think it's a lot of questions. I mean, all the stuff we talked about in the summertime, we went through preseason, we said, you know, they're not really doing the stuff they talked about. And they're like, oh, it's preseason. We don't even have our best players out. And I agree with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not into preseason. But if you're going to have the best depth you've ever had, and if you're going to have put all these things into place, you probably shouldn't be getting outshot 30 to 18 or whatever, even your, your depth players. So anyway, so we go into game one, and they're like, no, no, no. Now we're going. Now we're ready to go. Eh, maybe not so much. Now, granted, you played some pretty good teams in Boston. And yeah, there are mitigating circumstances all the way through. You know, injuries happen. We know that. Sometimes they come early, late, in the middle, throughout. They've dealt with a lot the yep. last few years with that. And injuries are always 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react to that. That's life. And injuries are part of hockey life. Your best players have to step up and and sop up the spill, if you will, when you you run into this. And they haven't. They've, They've been, in many ways, the problem here in the first three games. It's only three games. Right. And you could look at it easily and say that could have flipped the other way. They could be 3 and 0 right now. Yeah. But they're not. 3 they're they're in an 03 hole for the first time since Pierre Paget coached the Minnesota North Stars. 88. That is the name from the back, <laughs> isn't it though? <laughs> uh, the, the problem I have with how they've gone about their business is the simple basic nuts and bolts, meat and potatoes hockey has been absent. It just hasn't been there. Yeah. I've got a, uh, I got a mini theory that I'm sure I'm dead wrong on, but it's a razor belief, uh, which I'll get to. But you, you run down the laundry list of things that that have have not been executed well, and and by veteran guys, guys that you yeah. would expect are chomping to get going after the run in the spring last year and what have you. But there starts to games. You know, goals again, a, a goal given up in the first minute of a game or the first minute of a, of a period. Uh, offensive zone and avoidable penalties. Too many men on the ice penalties. Uh, real weak in the red light zone, if you will. You know, those quality scoring chances just fizzling all over the place. Uh, top guys from, from the net on out, uh, just not at their usual level. We come to expect so much out of those guys. Should. Yeah. You know, you, you, the media guide that Ben Fromstein from the Stars PR department puts together every year is a beautiful cover on it this year, collage of players. And you can almost go through all of them and go, come on, boys, giddy up time. So, uh, and, then, and then lead evaporation in a, in a couple of games, the last two. And I think just the, the proper emotion. Yeah, shown in some of these. So well, and it's funny. I think the uh, the start in Detroit was just so revved up and so motivated, 
And you're like, well, where was this the last two games? You know, it comes and goes in spurts. And you're like, well, if they can do this for whatever, 20 minutes, why can't they do it for 40 or 60? But, I mean, there's a team on the other side of the ice. And, yeah. you know, there's all sorts of things. But but it is confusing because you don't they're, ever want to question effort. Yeah. But it sure looks at times like they're not at 100% effort. Yeah, I, I, I have a tough time ever questioning yeah. effort. I think... I think every guy is trying to win yep. and trying to play well and, and trying to play hard. I, I, I never, at this level, I, especially early in the year, I just never, uh, I don't like questioning that. But some of the realities are realities, and I think they've affected that. When you, midway through your first game of the year against the Eastern Conference champions, are down three guys, your lineup's discombobulated, you're just trying to you know, patch it together. Uh, spackle and and get through that uh, same thing you get so you get new guys in you know two new guys in the lineup a couple of guys called up and thrust back in the lineup it, it just it changes the the dynamic of of the flow of your overall roster and and how I think how it goes from line to line who knows how it goes on the bench and in the room as well the the schedule which has been daunting the opponents which have not been easy the easiest looking one was the one in Detroit but whoopsie daisy yep the injuries and and then now my feeling i i believe that they just didn't scrimmage enough in training camp i'm a big believer in in scrimmaging you can play games those preseason games fine I, I th- always feel that scrimmaging can teach you ad-libbing. Uh, it can sharpen your hockey IQ a little bit. It, it's situational. It's flow. It's all of those things. And they, they didn't do a lot of scrimmaging. Yeah. And, you know, drills are, dr- drills are fine, but the game doesn't stop on a whistle when something breaks down within a game. It continues on, and you got to adjust to it, and you got to, you know, figure a way out. How do you get the puck from that guy how do you protect the puck from that guy and i i know they have lots of excellent meaningful drills in that i just would have liked to have seen them scrimmage a little more i think it might have helped back in the day in the rocky mountains it was scrimmage 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 it was compete i mean you know not that they have to have fights or anything like that. no it's never going to happen now but but sometimes it gets a little heated when you when they had those there's no whistle you know when we were in vale it was very competitive. Yeah. And granted, training camp was whatever back then. Anyway, let's talk about the good. Just talk about the Finns. <laughs> the Finns have been the best. Yes. All three of them. You know, Miro Haskinen. Seeing Nick Lidstrom there last night uh, for the home opener of the Red Wings, uh, I never got to do the, the comparison. The comparisons are, are real, though. I get them. Yep. And if, if you don't know Nick Lidstrom or didn't watch during his time should find some video and then squint your eyes and you'll see a lot of Miro. I still think that it's Scott Niedemeyer more than it is Nick Lidstrom, but Nick during his time was the apotheosis. I wanted to get that word in last night and I didn't get it in. That's a failure on my part. Okay, Mike? Uh, he, he was the... He was the apotheosis of NHL defenseman during his tenure with the Detroit Red Wings. And this kid who flows up and down the ice like tissue off a toilet paper roll is just like him. Uh, his hands are so much better than I thought they were. You hear about his skating, his skating, his skating. But you watch the little moves he makes at the blue line to keep pucks in. Mm. The, the one, the high stick... 
it just made me laugh because he's going back the opposite direction, trying to come out of the zone because they're going to chip the puck out. He just wheels his stick around, and I mean hits it square. He has no idea where the puck is, and it hits right on his blade. And I, it's a high stick, and the play stops him. But to do that, mm-hmm. like to just have that stick presence to know where the puck is, and he does that, the saves at the blue line on the power play. the the When he's going into the offensive zone, and he just – turns his skate, and the puck stops. And three guys will be coming at him. He doesn't let it go by. So either, you know, it's his stick, his hands, his feet, his brain. It's all of it. He's a special player. He really is. It's amazing. So you have him. You have Essa Lindell, who we talked about it when we were in St. Louis the other night because a lot of the Blues players were just like, who was the one? They all appreciated Rope. You can't, right. can't miss him because the way he gallops around the ice. But the guy they had major respect for coming out of that series was was Lindell and he's played like a heavy horse here again in the first three games but to Rope three goals in three games he's been the star's best forward yeah 2015 draft if you go back and look at the 2015 draft he's the fourth or fifth best forward in that draft now and that was the McDavid Eichel one two so there's two (laughs) And then you start inching your way down, and and uh, you know you can say Barzell or maybe Sl- uh, Mitch Marner, and then you got Rope yeah. in there, and he went 49th. He went in the second round. That was the year they took Gurion off uh, 12th. And uh, man, oh man, the credit. I always wonder where the credit goes for finding players like that, and the credit should go to the. Stars director of European scouting, Kari Taco, no shock, out of Finland. Uh, great dude, former goaltender. They're some, always the smartest oh, ones. Oh, some of the brightest ones. And then, uh, and also Rickard, um, is it Oakvist, I believe? Yeah. Uh, who's a European amateur scout. So, it, it, it <laughs> I, Doug Armstrong, I remember during that series, I think I told you in, in the spring against St. Louis, the, the Blues general manager, said that the hints was so good it made him go back into their scouting files he went back and, and looked into things to see how in the hell did we miss him right i'm, I'm sure people did that with jamie ben too yeah, it, probably yeah. I, I will say this because we watched him in the ahl he's come a long way and a lot of this i think is rope hints i think it's him saying i'm really good and i'm going to show you how good i am but i think he was a little timid when he first came into the hl he's never been a huge point guy down there so you know to get to this point where he is a guy who can score you know three goals in three games and and possibly keep that going throughout the season uh it's taken him what's the thing it's not just three goals in three games this year it's roll it back to the final 35 games a year ago, and he's, he's the star's best weapon offensively yeah. in that span. I believe you and I, Mike Heike, sat on rinky-dinking in the spring and pontificated a little bit about maybe we should just see what this Rope Hintz is all about as a second-line center. Yeah. Maybe he can fill the void. <laughs> we were pretty smart back then. <laughs> yeah, we deserve all the credit. All the credit. All the credit. They probably weren't going to play him much if it wasn't for us. So the Fendicate, who knows, maybe that Kivaranto will end up here in short order too. Pressed in training camp and uh, add another Finn to the equation. More Finns, the better. Finn to win. 
<laughs> fin to win, indeed. Uh, what have you thought about uh, Monty trying to get the most out of what he's got available? There's been, there's been some pretty hot-to-trot line juggling going on. Well, my biggest problem with what he does is... Oh, you have a problem. I do have a problem. Oh, well, it's boy. a small problem. Totes, listen I, up. I, I haven't really addressed it with him yet, so I probably need to... Oh, I look, make it. sure I'm there for that, Mike. <laughs> they go into meetings, and then they come out with an idea. For example, Radic Foxa between Ben and Sagan. And you're like, okay, well, clearly they talked about a great deal about how this would work and what they want to do, and then three shifts into the game, they abandon it. And maybe that was a plan. Maybe they were just trying to get a different look. Maybe he didn't like what he saw on the first shift, but I think sometimes, he's very quick. Sometimes, though, I, I truly believe that that is throwing something at the opposition to find out what they're going to come with, mm -hmm. and then you make an adjustment off of that. Yeah. And then they also scored, whatever, two minutes into the game, a minute 40. So that, that may change your strategy a little bit, it, too. Sometimes. It's the old, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And but then you adjust to that. I, I, he's been forced into this by the forward injuries. And then, but it's, it's kind of become the norm with coaches anyway. I mean, right. who, who sits on a, a lineup? Unless things are just going grand Correct. and you just roll. Why would you change? You, things are going phenomenal. Yeah. But when they're not... I just think it speaks to the urgency these coaches feel in today's NHL to to win. I mean, yeah. it is. Look at it. Look at this. Like we lost the opener against the Eastern Conference champions with a few injuries thrown in there, and it was just like, oh my God! Now you know we got to have our best in St. Louis, and you're like, it's game two. And the the big joke going around the NHL right now is, for, relax, everybody. Stars are on a perfect pace. You, you just want to be in last place in the NHL on January 1st. Right. That's your goal. Everyone's goal now. Be dead last, just like the St. Louis Blues were last year, and then roll your way to the Stanley Cup. The odds say it'll work out. Uh, let's uh, switch to uh, Washington on the other side of a little musical interlude that Totes will come up with at a later point. We call that fixing it in post. Back with Ovi in the caps. It's great that the Stars are in Washington to take on the high-powered Ovechkin-led Washington Capitals in the predicament they find themselves in right now. And do you know why? They seem to have a history of winning here. Mike, I'm going to drop some knowledge on you. Only twice in the last 20 years have the Stars lost in regulation in Washington. That is hard to understand. Some of it has been just out of their minds, stand on your head, net minding yep. in there. And a lot of it has just been, they've been better. They come in, they're comfortable. It's, it boggles the mind. It really does. Because they have been some of the best Washington Capital teams of all time over that span. And the Stars come in, find a way to pick up two points. And over the last decade, some of the not best Dallas Stars teams, but... 
Yeah. They seem to have this team's number. Well, let's hope that continues on here tomorrow night. They'll be facing Alexander Ovechkin, who started the season 42 goals from the 700 club, which is quite a milestone. If, if I guess you have to say if, 42 is a big number. Uh, if he hits 700, he'll be 195 goals back of what was once thought an untouchable NHL record set by the great one. And uh, you, the debate is going to start raging. Can he get there and do that? He's going to need this and four more, five more big-time seasons of goal scoring. What do you think? I don't think so, just because he seems like a guy who uh, – might retire a little bit earlier than than others. Although, if that becomes you know possible, then maybe he goes chasing it, um, or maybe the league continues to concoct strategies to open up for offensive players to where maybe they'll blindfold goaltenders or use white pucks in order to get Ovi the record so they can celebrate it. The league would never do that. Uh, Although we're sitting in this uh, parking. You know what? You know what impresses me about about what he's done. Uh, as opposed to maybe some guys in past, is that he's faced better goaltending. It hurts me to say that, but he's faced better goaltending in his era, better coaching to try to come up with a plan to guard against him, and parity, where it's not like there are four good teams and 26 that suck. There's a ton of really good teams. Yeah. And there has been for a little while in the league. And yet he keeps charging along, scoring. At times it feels like at will. Hmm. Whereas Gretzky, the thing that impressed me the most about Gretz, who owns the record, is that he was a center. Now, a different, completely different hockey. It was wide open and civish back in those days. And he played on just a phenomenal team where they were so much better than everyone else. Uh, they had the upper hand in that regard and tons of talent around him to help out. But it's hard for center Iceman to put up those kinds of numbers as opposed well, to a winger. His balance was still similar. He still had 70 goals and 130 assists. So it was balanced <laughs> out kind of like it is for a center good, out. Yeah, good point. It was just 70 goals. Good point. That is a good point. I look forward every time we see the caps, though. Yeah. He's just, that. That is a... That is an optical magnet, that man. It's like Madonna was like that back in the day. Mm -hmm. It was just like you just couldn't take your eyes off of him because he skated so much more eloquently and faster than almost everybody that was on the ice. Like it was just, if you had never gone to a game before and sat down and you watched the first 10 minutes, you'd be like, who's number nine? Yeah. The jersey flap was so cool. Yeah. That it, you know. But it's kind of the same. Like, yeah. if you went to a Caps game and you're just watching and all of a sudden they got a power play in the first five minutes, you'd be like, okay, who's eight? <laughs> Ooh, he's a monster. I've, I've had Kabang. Friend, I've had friends say, well, why don't they just stop? They should put a guy over there like a box in one. And should just- have done that last <laughs> night in Detroit. <laughs> That's right. We, we touched on it on the broadcast. <laughs> we were like, why would you not... At this point, after he'd scored two, and Rope had two, yeah. and it was like, why would you not just shadow those two guys? Nobody, they used to do that. Yeah, no. Like, is it, Gretzky put up those numbers with you know, the Steve Caspers of the world being sicked on them and just followed them around the ice. Yeah. Who was it? Uh, uh, 
Todd March, uh, or uh, was it uh, not? My, I always have Marchand in my mind now all the time with the Oilers. They used to follow Madonna around. Oh yeah, uh, March. Not yeah, Marchment. No, not, not Marchment. Not Mar- Brian Marchment. The other one, the short one with the captain. Yeah, Marchment. Marsh. Todd. Todd. He he used to fight Darian Hatcher. He was like five uh, ten, and he'd be. <laughs> God, I can't believe we don't remember that. But that was when Bob Gainey told Madonna, you got to take a one-minute penalty on him all the time. I love that. The one-minute penalty. You can't just accept that he's going to shut you down. Take a one-minute penalty on him, which means you're not really taking a penalty, but you got to do something right. nasty and half illegal. Marchand. You said Marchment. I know. I said Marchand or Marchand. Our brains are starting more to... Better surnames in the National Hockey League. It's That's confusing. Right. Uh, you... <laughs> Do you want the Razor rant? Yeah, I love the rant. You know, I do you? Yeah. yeah. You want it. I was thinking this on a long flight as I was fighting my way through a delicious steak and some au gratin potatoes. My shoulder was killing me. You know, I'm doing all of this with a severed rotator cuff. Yeah. Is that from patting yourself on the back? Hashtag warrior over here. Hockey today, and, and especially in the media, and I'm looking right at you, Mike Heike, because you're a writer, it, way too much accounting and systems talk and everything that is written and a lot of what is talked about the game of hockey. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, not enough visceral, not enough emotion and, and what have you, black hat, white hat, that kind of thing. It's, it's cap hits and UFAs and RFAs and eight-year deals and cap projections and almost every conversation. You, you tune into that NHL radio when you're driving in your car. I would say 75% of it is chatter about accounting. And if they do start talking about hockey, they get right into hockey, the robotic hockey systems yep. of the sport in 2019. It drives me bananas. I blame the accountants. <laughs> the Mark Jankos of the world. <clears throat> no, I mean, it is a, it's a cap system, so that's important. And this is their oh, season. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's not important. Right. What I'm saying is why is so much oxygen being utilized on talking about it? It's not a fascinating topic. Part of it was the RFAs. The five or six key RFAs who had to get signed. Yeah, but but even if they start talking, instead of talking about, let's say, the Leafs, since right. everyone wants to talk about the Leafs, right? The, the conversation is not so much about how good are they going to be at this or how many goals will this guy... It's what is their cap going to look like in four years? Right. Who are they going to be able to keep? So it's it's gone away from the, the true, I find, interesting storylines into more of this conversation about just numbers. Maybe, I don't know, is that you people? Totes, I'm looking at you. Definitely not. It's I, not. I, I do think you can weave it into an interesting story. Well, why don't you start then? Well, I think they have, <laughs> I think they have in St. Louis, as they're dishing out all these contracts and they're acquiring uh, Falk on defense, then the question becomes, well, what does this leave for Petrangelo? And you're just like, okay, that to me is, so what are his feelings? Are they, I mean, they kind of have to go for it right now, don't they? Because they got everybody under contract. This next summer, it's going to be a tough one for them. 
So in that regard, you can pull the numbers out and say... I think it's, it's, lazy, it's lazy journalism, Mike. Most journalism is pretty lazy. <laughs> we sit up there in a press box and eat popcorn Anybody and can type do. on a typewriter. Anybody can just grab stats and caps. All right. You're right. I'm going to... The tragically hip wrote a song called 50 Mission Cap. That's the cap I want to hear about, right? Am I right? It was, I'm right. It was important to him. Bill Barilko disappeared that summer. He was on a fishing trip. The last goal he ever scored won the Leafs the cup. They didn't win another till 1962, the year he was discovered. I learned that from a hockey card. I keep chucked up my 50 mission cap. I could sing the whole thing for you, but I won't. Kind of just did. Well, I got us into it. Anyway, uh, I think it would be interesting to hear from Totes McGoats and his take on the opening week of this season, and in particular, the youth vote, because it's going to be important in 2020, emanating from Washington today. And also, I've got a little kicker for him, a uh, little, little word of advice, and he's open to that, which I like. That's what I love about our Totsi, is he's open to uh, a path or a vision or some knowledge being dropped. So, Totsi, grab the microphone. Uh, top visuals hey, hey. that you've produced uh, in the opening week, and you produced so much uh, just phenomenal, uh, both audio and video uh, candy for Stars fans, broadcasters alike. So go ahead. Yeah, I've been lucky to be able to be a small part of all of our opening week stuff. Uh, Too humble. I've done the Stars Insider Show on Fox Sports Southwest. Oh, we don't want and your resume, okay? I'm just, just trying to plug my oh, content. Okay. All right. So tune in every other Tuesday and watch that <laughs> at 7 p.m. Fox Sports Southwest. Um, Dallas Stars Open Ice, behind-the-scenes web series on our website. Check that out. Um, but like I've said before, one of my favorite things about traveling and going to these other arenas is seeing everybody's intro videos. And obviously, we're seeing new ones for the first time this year. Our group in Dallas of editors has put together an awesome stack of um, show open in the arena at the AAC this year. So everybody needs to see that in person. So Stars Digital has opened well. Stars yes. on ice in skates, not so much. Stars Digital saying? flying out of the gate, okay. killing it. Good. Phenomenal team there in Dallas. Audio-wise? Audio's been great. You, well, <laughs> this podcast. Don't separate your shoulder, patting yourself on the back here. Now, this podcast. The, well, this is the low end of the audio. The, uh, you mic guys up. Yes. Fans love that. I love it. That's my favorite. Okay, now hold thing. it. Let's, let's just touch on that for a second. Yeah. The, all we get on broadcast for the most part, and it's not just our sport, it's all sports, is here we go, boys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, here we go. Here we go. Come on now. Come on now. I mean, please. Yeah. That is for a reason, though, because the truly interesting stuff uh, and we we're privy to the referees. They have a meeting with us and before and they mic them up and yep. they have they have a sizzle reel of sizzle reels. Can you we, we had great West Macaulay oh my God, on this trip. Great. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we had a little classic. thespian uh, Macaulay there. Awesome. Uh, but how much? Uh, how much 
good, really, really fascinating, compelling, good stuff gets left on the floor. Percentage-wise. It's it's amazing. I'll put together like a two-minute rip for the player and give it to them. And the one I gave Sagan last year, Ben rip. last year. It's a, it's a rip? Yeah, oh, just a quick yeah. rip of shots. You know, as a Canadian, out for a rip is something that we say. What's that mean? You out for a rip? You take off? You going to get out of here and go grab a beer or something? Oh, I like that. Hey, when we head out for a rip... Huh. There you go. Well, in video, a rip of footage uh, and the outtakes. And so the whole time we're shooting mic'd up, I have headphones on hearing yeah. it live. And I think yeah. one of my favorite moments from last season was having Jamie mic'd up. I was zoned out, not really paying attention. He's talking to a ref. And at the end, he goes, totes, cut that out. And I look from the upper bowl in the AAC. He's making eye contact with me and laughing. It, it was great. It was, that was one of my favorite parts of all year last year. So it, it's fun. It's really probably my favorite thing that I get to shoot. Okay, so outside of the podcast here today, any other uh, interactions or what have you uh, <laughs> able to uh, – or is this kind of the focus of your day? Today? This has been the focus of the day. It's been a low-key recovery day. Got a workout in, a little sauna action. Uh, ran into Ford Alexander Radulov in the sauna. Well, hey, now <laughs> – Hey, now this that could <laughs> be a little behind the scenes. I don't know about video. That might not no, be. No, that was off camera. Best, but there's no no cameras. It's too hot no, in there. You couldn't really put a mic on a guy, I guess, as well, right? It'd be tough in there. No, you couldn't. Um, the one thing I will share that uh, I learned from Alexander Radulov today in the sauna. He came in after I was in there. I was already very sweaty. It was really hot in there, and he's like, "We got to turn." That's what happens in saunas. Yeah. I don't know. If you were uh, aware of that going in. I, I was They're like, huge in Finland, by the way. I love it. They it's, call them saunas over there. I wish they were bigger here. They have parties in the saunas. But first uh, day when I was in Finland, they said well, there's going to be a sauna party, and I was like, "What?" So I went. They had food out and everything, and then yeah, all of a sudden, don't hold it. All of a sudden. Wives, girlfriends, us, into the sauna we went. I was just like, what a country. Yeah, and there's like attached bars and yes. restaurants. Uh, Rads was telling me in Russia they'll spend six or seven hours there. They'll eat a meal, they'll soak, cold tub, massage, everything. See, they got it figured out over on the other side of the Atlantic. I like that. But they, they go hard with it because what Rads did today was he's like, we need to turn it up. And I was like, it's dialed all the you're way dying, up. You're dying, right? I'm dying. But you don't want to show that you're dying. You want and to show I'm you're tough. Pretty sure Rads is shivering. And so he takes a, a towel, soaks it in cold water, and covers the thermometer on the ceiling. So it won't shut off. So that it won't auto shut off at the highest temperature. And it. He was trying to kill you. He, he was. He, yeah. You know, he's told me before, he does not like you. Totes. I guess not. And I was trying to tough it out and stay and I couldn't. It was it Well, was awful. you're gonna have to rehydrate after that then if you've you've probably lost not only yeah. water weight but electrolytes. I'm replenishing well. right now. We try to do that on our bus after every game. And uh, this is this is where I have to I have to come down on you a little bit here. Uh, at issue, and you're wonderful at providing a little uh, amber liquid on ice for us after. But uh, Budweiser in the beer bag on the bus last night. And uh, I wrote a little note. Note to my goats, I called it. Budweiser is not the king of beers. Okay? At best, it's an, what, Archduke or something like that. Okay? And good as a marinade for a low-cost strip loin steak. That, that's it. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is tap the brakes. 
hard noted on the Budweiser in the future. Noted. Those were picked up in St. Louis because of, you know, Anheuser-Busch. Well, we don't, so we're not here to support anything St. Louis. I guess not. Yeah, you should pack Shiner with I'll you find Shiner every, next time. every trip. All right, can I do one thing for totes? Just yeah. because I was so impressed. We're finishing it off here. We're finishing it off for totes. In the uh, behind-the-scenes video where you talk to the players, how do you get that sort of relationship with them? They just like you or they're in a casual setting? Because I thought those were some of the best interviews I've seen in, in, at any time with some of those guys. Yeah, those turned out really well. I was super excited about the final product on that. Um, and it just came from a very natural minimal like in the room shooting those interviews was just me one other camera op and then the player and it was very I mean we started those just by cutting up talking about summer because it was the first time I'd seen most of those guys since May and just that ca casualness comfort level really came across well in those and I'm glad you picked up on that because I was excited about it <laughs> Way to go. If you get a chance to look at it, like I, I try to interview these guys and try to get stuff out of them, it's not easy. Yeah. They don't like us a lot of times, yeah. and they don't want to talk about Well, themselves. they don't like you in well, particular. That's probably they true. can't stand me, <laughs> but Totes apparently totes is very popular. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the All sauna right. this afternoon. All right, well, Hike, Hike is heading to the sauna. <laughs> totes, he's probably got to have a nap or something yeah. now, and I have a power hour with Pelosi and Cudlow to get to. So cheers, everybody. Talk to you next week.